0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. However, this is not Monday morning. It's Thursday, so it's a bonus episode we're putting out here for Easter week. <laughs> and um, if you're listening, you're not able to see all the different uh, virtual backgrounds going on right now. The staff is meeting over Zoom. Uh, I heard Pastor Jamal's good friends with Joe Exotic these days. That's what I'm seeing on his back. <laughs> uh Tiger King. Tiger King. That's right. That's right. Uh, There's a trailer they put out of uh, like the Lion King music, like Circle of Life, but it was with all Tiger King clips.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just a phenomenon right now. I I, I don't know. I got to stay in the loop as a youth pastor, you know, just got to be current, even if you don't actually know what's going on.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have Netflix right now, so I can't necessarily watch it, which makes me feel like I'm a little left out. Cause I want to see what I want to I want to see what that mola is all about,
0: dude.
1: Just, yeah, no. It's-
3: just from the picture, I have no desire to watch it.
0: <laughs> it it's it's pretty weird, man. It's pretty weird. He, like uh, I will say this though, Pastor Jamal, I feel like in my experience with teenagers, you know what I realized is like they watch like the first episode episode and a half while kind of texting on their phone and not paying attention and then they're like oh yeah like dude I watched the whole thing it's like wait a minute
1: like right? you didn't watch the whole thing <laughs> you watched like maybe a few clips and if anything you're just recycling information that you've heard from other people having conversation about it yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I'm like so, I'm like sitting there watching series so I can like talk about things and I'm like wait a minute you right. didn't even watch it like
1: <laughs> right so I've learned here's the secret I do the same thing Yeah, hey, so I- <laughs> that's it I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 I saw that." <laughs> They're like, "Whoa, oh, man." I'm like, "Did you see this part?" And it's actually just like part of the preview or a clip that somebody put on. They're like, "Yeah, man, that's crazy." I was like, "Bro, was so crazy."
2: But just for clarification, it's actually a uh it's a crime drama, isn't it? Like a like a true life crime thing.
1: It's a some sort of documentary about this guy actually. Um the Tiger King, well, Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic and some, basically a lot of, like, actual, yeah, crime that took place, like, on his zoo farm, uh, the people who are involved with it, it's, um, it's pretty, yeah, I mean, he's in jail right now, like, it's a, it's a, it's a whole thing, and I think the, the big thing is Joe Exotic was very big on the fact that this lady who was his competition, I believe, or something of that nature, she actually killed her husband, and fed him to her tigers and wow. so that's kind of where all of the big memes have been coming from they're like oh carol baskins you know she fed her husband to tigers and she murdered her husband and like so like that's the big thing that most of the wow. teenagers have been like no she actually did it no she really did yeah, yeah. so that's wow. yeah uh, it's like
0: it's, it's like a documentary he like she's an animal rights activist and he is the opposite like he's the, the exact sort of person that they want to take down so he like made an enemy out of her and yeah there's like this mysterious past that her like husband disappeared and it's unsolved to this day so like so the documentary just like goes back and forth man it's yeah. it's definitely it, interesting it's worth a watch if you know you you find that interesting it cool.
2: sounds like she's the jackson tiger lady <laughs> that we had for a while oh i forgot you guys had a we had one time. of those Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh yes.
2: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, dude! Like until her tigers, until her tigers got loose. Yep, that's
1: true. In Jackson, that, that yes. happened. That happened the first year I was here. I remember that. Oh gosh, I remember dude. that.
0: Here I am. I watched this series, and I was like, this is actually going on in America? Like, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm like, this is horrible. And you're telling me it's going on in Jackson now. This is it, like, Well, she, oh she got gosh. closed
2: down because
1: she, she lost a tiger. Uh, Yo, so there's they, like, there's crazy. all the people from our church who are from Jackson are like 100% listening to this. And they're like, not, we're not part of that part of Jackson. That's <laughs> the that other part of Jackson. <laughs> That's Jackson over there. That's
0: the other one. <laughs> That's
1: the Jackson's Jackson big enough there. that
0: that's that's little Jackson over there. <laughs> no, you know, I was thinking like South Jersey, you know, like real South, like maybe like Salem County, like you don't know what goes on down there. Like it's woods, and you could probably have a thousand tigers there, and no one would know. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. But maybe that's not true to yeah. anyone listening who lives there. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be offensive to you. So I just, uh well, check out the show. It's pretty, it's kind of weird, but kind of interesting. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: all right well look uh let's talk about the passage today all week long our church has been doing uh reading through these easter passages or are kind of like episodes in jesus's life leading up to easter and kind of what we're doing is every day putting out a piece of media related to that passage as well so hopefully you're reading it on your own if you're listening or watching this but, um, you know, so Monday we did a podcast episode on that passage Tuesday, the video devotional from pastor Jeff Wednesday was kind of like the Bible study focused on that passage. And so today we're doing another podcast episode. Pastor Jamal has a video devotionals can come out uh, later this week and stuff as well. So the passage today is in John 13. It's, um, John 13 verses 21 through 32, and it takes place pretty much right after the passage from yesterday it's during the last supper um where jesus begins the last supper by washing his disciples feet and there's uh so much we could talk about there but then uh he continues here and so i want to talk about it because it's it's a little bit of a tough passage especially like i was telling you guys right before we hit record like uh, you know even life application wise, like I think it's more of just an episode. Hey, this is what happened, like this is leading up to Jesus' life. Right after this, he teaches, and we can even talk about that if you want. But um just kind of uh to start, you know, it's a tough passage because um, you know, like it's kinda of why we saved it for the podcast, but Jesus he says he's troubled in spirit, he knows somebody's gonna betray him, Satan enters into Judas. It's pretty dark stuff. Like if we believe this, you know what I mean. Like again, if you if you're in church circles and maybe you know these stories, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, like you. Sometimes you know it, but when you think about like like you know, the what's details really going on, the details, it's dark. It's it's intense. And so, wanted to start um, with that, just with how the passage starts. And again, if you're listening right now, if you haven't had a chance to read the passage, we'd encourage you to pause it real quick, give the passage a read john 13 verses 21 through 32 and then come back and join us for the discussion so you kind of know what we're talking about here but um in verse 21 where this passage begins it says that jesus was troubled in spirit and he knows he says i tell you the truth one of you will betray me so i wanted to start with that maybe a question somebody could have as you read this or somebody maybe who's not christian being a little critical even of christianity say wait a minute jesus all right i thought jesus was god um, you tell me he's troubled in spirit. He did he just realize this guy was going to betray him? Like, kind of that dichotomy of like God and man. Uh, what's going on here? Like, did Jesus just come to this realization? Didn't shouldn't he have always known? But even if if he always knew, then why did he? Why was Judas a follower in the first place? Didn't God know he was going to betray him? Like, so what do you guys think about that? Like thinking about Jesus being God, man, understanding this
2: i think this is one of those things where we really see jesus's humanity like sometimes we get caught up in how jesus is god and so it's hard to think about how he can actually relate to us (laughs) but the fact of the matter is he went through the things that we go through as people and so this is a case where like it's hard to think about jesus being troubled or being stressed out but if you if you if you think about how he knew what was about to happen, one of his friends, and I, and I do believe that Judas was his friend, even though Judas didn't have it all together, I mean, who of us has it all together? And yet, Jesus still loves us, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and so here's this moment where he's close, one of his close friends, he knows is about to betray him. Do I think he always knew that? Maybe maybe not i'm i'm not sure that matters because here in the moment, Jesus is feeling the betrayal of what's about to take place, and it, it troubles him and that that can be really comforting because for us who have been betrayed, for us who have who are facing maybe stressful situations going into like it's not like God is removed from those things, so he experienced it, he knows it. He understands it when we're there, kind of going through those things.
0: That's a great thought. Um, don't know if you guys had other thoughts or not on that. Were you going to say something, Pastor Bonnie, or no?
3: Well, I was basically just thinking along the same lines as Pastor Todd, that this is definitely one of those moments where you see the humanity of Jesus. And I mean, we know that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so in order to um, you know, one of his, it's, it was his calling basically to not, not only come to earth to die for us, but to, in that, to, um, in that sacrifice before that sacrifice for us, um, he was called to fully identify with humanity. And so even though, um, being fully God, he, might have known the whole time, you know, the character of Judas, and and that Judas was going to betray him, and that, you know, this was who Judas was, being fully human, to be able to experience experience those feelings of, you know, having somebody that calls you friend, but yet doesn't act like a friend in the end, um, you know, and experiencing all those feelings of, of a broken relationship, I think, you know, was vital to Jesus' human experience, you know, to identify with us, so.
1: Yeah, just in an agreement with what they're saying. I I think it's okay to understand that um, God in human form is not caught off guard by the heart of man, uh, but is still hurt by betrayal you know that's that's okay to to have that tension there and understand that and i think um you know like what pastor Bonnie was saying like he, i think jesus clearly knew the character of judas um despite you know um despite also knowing that he would want that he was going to betray him um it didn't change the way he interacted with judas he continued to treat him the same as the rest of the other disciples. Um, I mean, it's just, again, I think this is more about the picture of the heart of man, you know, like in how we treat God and how we've always treated God, you know, um, kind of like being played out here. And I think sometimes we could be quick to say, oh man, look at how, I can't believe Judas would do something like this to Jesus. Um, but there are probably areas in our life where we do the same exact thing you know, where we uh, betray what we betray our trust in God uh, for our trust in ourselves or trust in our own finances, you know, Um, and we may not necessarily be, you know, crucifying Jesus, so to speak, but I do think that there is a certain level of betrayal that takes place when we choose our own sin over God.
3: Yeah, I I think too, this, there's, there's a huge lesson here in how Jesus acts and how he's always acted or how he always acted towards Judas. It's a lesson for us. You know, if we are striving and seeking to be more like Jesus in our relationships, if we, if we know that the character of another person is, um, you know, not a stellar one. um, If we know that, you know, somebody in our life, you know, has the potential to betray us. Um, we tend to treat them differently in our own hum in our own flesh. But I mean, here you see Jesus keeping Judas, you know, in the circle of disciples, um, teaching him, discipling him, you know, loving him just like he did the other 11. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge, a huge lesson. And, and like such a hard challenge, really, if you think about it.
1: I mean, but in reality too, Jesus is living out exactly what he's, taught his mm-hmm. disciples he's like if a man does this to you you know do this you know if a man says oh walk with me a mile walk with him too if you know uh if a man asks you you know for um you know uh your tunic you know like give him you know hey here's my tunic you want some shoes bro here's my shoes you know like what else do you need you need some food like he's always kind of talked about um treating your brother uh with the kind of love and compassion um that was kind of like unprecedented and un- and unheard of so it's not it's he's actually like living out what he says hey this is how you should kind of go about life yeah but even within
2: that i also think it's okay to be hurt by things so yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Like you can still be loving someone who has hurt you, you know? And I think that that comes through too. Cause sometimes in Christian circles, we act like it's not okay to have emotions at all. Mm. Like, Oh, Oh, I'm upset. Oh, well you just got to confess that, or you just got to pray that through. And it, 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 I mean, Jesus here is clearly upset. He is troubled by the betrayal of his, of his disciple, the betrayal of his friend. And so the betrayal uh, the the feelings there aren't what's wrong it's, it's what we do with them um and i think it, it can reveal something that's going on in ourselves also like maybe i put too much emphasis on expecting them to fulfill me or whatever mm-hmm. but i think i think i think we shouldn't always be quick to try to shut down those feelings of hurt uh
1: to just have them stew anyway mm-hmm. i i'm actually I, so I think, Pastor Todd, what you're saying is, my my initial thought is like, oh, yeah, what Pastor, say, what Pastor Todd is saying is, is true. But then I also thought to myself, well, maybe what if Jesus isn't necessarily troubled in spirit about the demeanor of mankind? Like, it's not like he hasn't, you know, we're talking about Jesus Christ, you know, the, the word of God, you know, the word made flesh present at creation. He is not caught off guard by the heart of man. So is he... Is he troubled in his spirit about betrayal or is he troubled in his spirit about the manner in which he's going to die? We see that kind of play out in the garden, um, you know, and, you know, asking for, you know, uh, the cup to pass from him, you know, or maybe is it a mixture of both? I'm, I'm not saying I have the answer. What I'm saying is, could this be when it says here in the passage of scripture that he was troubled in spirit, a mixture of all of those things, you know, like all of those things kind of coming to, the surface here because it was clear in scripture that he didn't want to die in that way. But he said, you know, even then, not my will, but your will be done speaking to, you know, the father. Yeah.
2: But I think also when you look at the story of Lazarus, when Lazarus died, I mean, he knew that was going to happen. He knew the glory is going to come. That was going to come from that. And yet in that moment of vulnerability, he expressed his emotions about it by weeping. You know I mean so I think I think you can't take away from the fact that he was being betrayed and that hurts
0: yeah you guys bring up so much uh, so many good points and I feel like maybe depends on who you're talking to or what you need to emphasize like I think maybe somebody could say yeah like maybe what you're bringing up Pastor Jamal somebody who would feel like well Jesus he's, he's a pretty weak God. If it's like, what's he going to cry about this? Like, you know, didn't he know, like, and it's like, well, no, Jesus knew what was going on. Jesus, maybe he's processing everything going on. Like he's being betrayed by his friend. He's going to die on the cross. Like he under all, all these things are culminating in like the next, like two, like day from this passage of everything that's going to happen to him. On the flip side, I thought of this in the beginning from, uh, what you were saying, Pastor Bonnie, about kind of like, we're seeing the humanity in Jesus here. When I was in uh, college, I was learning some, you know, theological concepts and different things. I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, somebody older in our church and they were like, Oh, Jesus wasn't tempted. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, Jesus, you know, he came from the father. He came and he kicked Satan's butt and he, you know, died on the cross for us. And now he's glorified. I'm like, no, 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 I get like, like, but they wanted to have this, such a high view of Jesus that it was like, well, he didn't, he wasn't tempted. I mean, he didn't. I'm like, well, the Bible says he was tempted. (laughs) The
1: Bible says that Uh, in every way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he wasn't like, it wasn't like you and me. I'm like, I think that's the whole point. I think it was like you and me. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's the whole book. How how could he die in our place had he not experienced and yet overcome
1: what we face? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Hebrew. I feel like. A good chunk of Hebrews unpacks that very thought. Like, here is why Jesus is the the one. Here is what qualified Jesus to be uh, the sacrifice for our sins. It is the fact that he, he can relate to us in our struggles, in uh, in our temptations. Um, that was. I feel like that's the whole purpose of that. Not the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews, but a good a good chunk of it like he showed us how to be fully human
2: by dealing with temptations and yet be righteous at the same time. You know what I mean? Like if, Mm -hmm. if how can he show us how to be righteous by his example, if he never had to, if he never had to really deal with temptations, like then, then it's like he was not, he can't relate to me at all. If that's the case.
0: And I've heard it said this way. I, I don't know where I heard this, but kind of like, um, within Jesus' lifetime, you know, they were, uh, people, people viewed him as divine, people viewed him as God. And they had to, they were trying to convince people like he, well, he was a real guy. He was like a human. And then you even think of that in John's gospel here, he, there were what was called Gnostic believers that they believed he was divine. He was spiritual, but the physical body wasn't real. So they, they're putting things in like the gospel writers saying, no, 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 no he, he was like a real guy today we're on the other side of the spectrum like where okay um it it's agreed upon by uh historians like you know, jesus's existence absolutely uh but was he really god i mean i don't know if that's true and so you know maybe that's kind of what we see going on as well some of that
2: it's a it's a hard balance because you can't emph- emphasize one aspect to the neglect of the other
0: mm-hmm.
2: he was god and man yeah he wasn't he wasn't just fully God. He wasn't just fully man. He was fully God and fully man. And when you, when you emphasize, and it comes true for any doctrine in the scripture that when you emphasize one characteristic of God to the neglect of others, you, you you're not really knowing the true God because you've, mm. you're, you're, you're missing the complete picture of who he is. Right.
3: So the, so the prayer focus for this devotion, um, is God's sovereignty. And, um, Right, and so when I was thinking about the passage you were talking about, Pastor Todd about um, you know Jesus being tempted, and then I'm thinking about this passage when he's you know um, relating to Judas, and even uh, in his interactions later on with Judas, you know he's he's experience he's experiencing the human experience in these two part you know areas, but yet you see Jesus fully in control still of those. Mm. Things. Mm -hmm. like it's not like when you know we are attacked maybe per se or we are challenged um and maybe we don't set those boundaries in place or um or something catches us by surprise and things feel totally out of control like when jesus is challenged by satan you know like you were talking about pastor todd and when he's um you know facing the betrayal of judas in this passage like He's, you see him, he's still in control. Like he's, he's still setting the parameters. He's still setting the boundaries, even though he's, you know, allowing these things to happen because they need to happen so that he can, you know, do what he's called to do and do what he came to earth to do and do and experience the full human experience. He's still fully in control. He's still sovereign over it. And that balance is amazing to see.
2: Do you think that part of that is because while Judas was a close companion of him. He didn't necessarily draw who he was from Judas so that when Judas betrayed him and disappointed him, it didn't change um, where Jesus drew his identity from, you know, because a lot of times that's why we get upset when people betray us because we want them you know, maybe we want them to fulfill something about ourselves, you know, to to fill us up or build us up. And when they disappoint us, then we feel like we've been rejected because now that thing I wanted, I didn't get. But Jesus didn't seek that in people. In fact, there's other scriptures where it talks about he didn't entrust himself to people because he knew what was in people's hearts. And and he drew his identity as being the son of God, the child of God. And I think maybe that's how he could remain in control. Okay, you've disappointed me, but that doesn't change anything that doesn't change who I am. That doesn't change what I expect from you, you know, because, because I didn't build myself on you, you know, type of thing. Yeah, That's a
1: really
0: good point. Oh, go ahead, Pastor Jamal. I
2: was sure. going
1: to say, I think, I think ultimately what you're just to kind of bring it back, like what Pastor Ronnie was doing, she, you know, bringing it back to the main thing here about the sovereignty of God. I believe that our text, the kind of, I believe our text is kind of set up in the beginning of chapter 13 to just kind of support what pastor Todd is already saying, chapter 13 verses two and three, you know, this is the beginning of the last supper and, and you kind of see the setup is already kind of built there says during, starting in verse two, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Judas Iscariot, Mm -hmm. Simon's son to betray him. Right. Um, It says, then goes on to say, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, mm-hmm. that he had come from God and was going back to God. It's almost like it's already set up there for us to understand that what was our, Judas was already prompted in his heart, you know, to betray. But despite that, all things had been given into the hands of God. Like, and so the sovereignty of God still rules and reigns, even when evil is at, is trying to do its best to thwart what God has set forth.
0: Well, that's great, Pastor Jamal. And uh, what you guys are all saying about um, God's sovereignty, you know, seeing that in this passage, um, I think that's pretty clear, which is why we said that to kind of be like the prayer focus. So kind of actually even speaking of that then, God's sovereignty, how about like even our own choices here? You know, the passage says that after um, Jesus dipped the bread and gave it to him, which um, meant it was an act of honor, like that's a guest of honor you give that to. So some were saying that could have been maybe a last appeal by Jesus to say like, hey, man, this is, you know, do you want to do this or whatever? But after he uh, did that, Satan entered into him which again is um, pretty, intense. pretty intense. Yeah. So what are your guys' thoughts on that um, when it comes to that? Like did Judas, does that mean Judas didn't have any choices after this? Did Judas, Judas even have a choice to begin with? Like Jesus says later in John 17 that this had to fulfill scripture. So it's like, was Ju- Judas just destined to die? Like the poor guy didn't have a choice. What about us today? I mean, um, what do you guys have to say about that?
1: I'm not so sure that Judas was destined to die, um, but I do think he was the one who would, you know, betray Jesus. I I think Judas's response to his decisions are Judas's response, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I believe though uh, that, um, he was definitely picked and chosen to be the one to betray. Um, I feel personally uh, when he goes to give back the money that he received for betraying Jesus, you see this moment where he's like, you know what? I, I messed up. I did wrong. To me, there is in that space opportunity uh, to repent and be restored, but he chooses a different path. Um, And I'm not, but I personally believe that that is a result of his choice.
0: Yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting thought. In fact, um, I was thinking through Pastor Dallas, what I was telling you about, like a sermon series we did once. And, uh, that's what we talked about. That basically Judas was defined by his failure because you know what, who else fails over here is Peter. Jesus Mm -hmm. says, you're going to deny me. And Peter does, you know, he fails as well in that sense. He betrays Jesus or, you know, is not faithful to him. But um, Judas, it seems, was defined by this failure. He betrayed Jesus. Yeah, he has that moment of remorse, but then ends up um, committing suicide because of his regret. But Peter didn't let his failure define him. He allowed himself to be forgiven by God. He let the forgiveness of God define him. And maybe that's a big difference between the two as well
2: yeah I agree with Pastor Jamal in that moment where he was throwing down that money. I think he really could have at that moment he had like a a fork which way was he gonna go and I think had he had he stuck it out and gone to Jesus or you know wait until the resurrection and gone to jesus whatever uh I think there would have been forgiveness for them there, but I think he had become so overwhelmed by what he did that I think in some degree he does what all people have done since the garden instead of going to god in his sin he ran the hide mm-hmm. and for him his hiding was was the suicide uh for adam and eve it was hiding in the bushes and making their own clothes mm-hmm. but it's like a human tendency that the last thing we want to do after sin is go running to god we want to run and
0: hide you know which I don't know. I feel like that makes sense. Like you feel, you feel wrong. You feel dirty. You feel unworthy. You're re- maybe, maybe you're reminded that you're not worthy, but yeah, it's, it seems like to be a natural response to say, to run the other way.
2: Yeah. And I agree that it is, it's a natural human response, but I think God's desire would be for us to run to him instead of away from him.
1: And I, th- and I think um, that that just in my personal opinion, furthers the narrative that Judas didn't really understand Jesus and his purpose and his role Mm -hmm. on earth. Like Peter immediately like when he, when it's when they're back together and it's the, the restoration of Peter on the beach there, you know, that remorse hits him and, and Jesus never really is like, yo bro, remember them times you like, you straight up like denied me three times. That's never Jesus's kind of response to him, but he restores Peter uh, in gentleness. And, and I think, I mean, now this is like massive inferring, you know, who knows how Jesus could have interacted with Judas had Judas chosen instead um, uh, to repent. Maybe even in that moment that we get a conversation where Jesus is like, you know, these things had to be in order that the son of God would be glorified and even still, you know, you know, I restore you, you know, like, we don't know that's, you know, that's right. It's not in scripture. We don't, we don't know. That's guesswork at best. Um, but well,
0: that's, that's really good. That's a, an amazing thing. You bring up like picture and maybe that is, you know, when it comes to our own lives that maybe that's the picture we're sitting here saying, okay, we got a picture of what the restoration of Peter looked like you know, he came to Christ. He came back to him. He allowed himself to be forgiven by God. Judas didn't, man, we're sitting here picturing what could that have looked like a conversation with Judas and Jesus afterwards. Well, don't allow that to happen in your life. Don't allow somebody to look at your life and say, man, what would it have looked like if, if Matt had come back to God, what would it have looked like if Matt just came to Jesus and had a conversation? Don't let somebody say that about you. Let it be let your story be like Peter's who said, God, I have messed up. I've messed up, but I'm gonna to come to you. Like what an amazing picture that I think you bring up, Pastor Jamal. Mm-hmm. So um well, and along with that then, even what you're saying about he didn't understand Jesus' purpose that could be behind it. Uh same thing, just maybe questions about what's going on in uh the story and with the characters, the people involved, like do you think what do you think could have been some of his motivations even for betraying Jesus again uh, like you kind of brought up Pastor Todd we, you know Judas can get a bad rap because oh, he's the villain that betrayed Jesus but kind of what what could have been his motivations and how could that can we maybe sometimes feel similarly you know I don't know what are, you, what are your thoughts on that uh,
2: I don't know I mean I've heard people talk about how maybe part of his motivation was he was trying to force Jesus into action to, to raise him up to be the King, you know, to like, I'm, I'm going to set this situation up where you, where Jesus, now you have to exert your authority as, as, um, as the Messiah and, and, and overthrow the governments that are in place. Uh, I, I've heard that. Um, I think Pastor Jamal kind of said a little bit earlier where like, he really didn't fully get who Jesus was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that could have been part of it. Um, it could have been his own personal greed, you know, uh, with wanting that silver and not realizing how far his actions were going to actually take things. Like thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll betray Jesus for this and, you know, he'll have some problems with the government. But ultimately, or, or maybe he felt personally slighted by Jesus at some point that like, hey, you're giving all this attention to Peter. You're giving all this attention to John, the sons of Zebedee you know sons of thunder but what about me over here you know aren't i important carrying around all this money for you you know so i I think it's not real clear in this but i think any of those things could have could have been possibilities
3: i think it's important to when you look at judas's motivation um i mean it does it says satan entered him i mean that we just talked about earlier like that didn't mean he didn't have a choice in the matter like he he still he still made choices that you know led him to this point but that's important to remember that like he you know there's so many passages of scripture that talk about resisting the devil and not giving the devil a foothold and um things like that and and so when you don't resist and you aren't aware and you're not vigilant um against that against you know giving the enemy a foothold it's It's like an open door for the enemy to just come in and say, all right, well, here's a person who, you know, is not aware of um, their actions, maybe, or not aware of what they're doing. Um, And now I can maybe use them to further my agenda in trying to, you know, thwart the plans of Jesus to, um, you know, to, you know, save humankind. so, I mean, you know, Judas had the choice all along whether or not to really understand Jesus and really learn Jesus and you know, learn about Jesus and really have that, you know, um, deep love for him like the, some of the other disciples did. And I think instead, Judas left himself open to the enemy's agenda because he was more focused on his own self agenda, you know, in a sense
0: it's um that's really great what you bring up as well like there there are those scriptures that say resist the devil flee from temptation these different things maybe you're seeing a picture of somebody who right didn't do those things you see the consequences and you see even his own remorse from it and so that's actually something else i wanted to bring up too and maybe we need to talk a little bit of uh what our theology is on it or whatever but i'm just thinking like could you also read this and say wow satan entered into him like uh, could that happen to me? You know, could that happen to me? Do I need to be afraid of this? Or, you know, even maybe bring it down a notch, but people who'd say like, well, I think the devil's messing this up. Or we tried to play the video at our Bible study, even, you know, take it down another notch. We tried to play the video, but the, the devil, you know, stopped us in our Bible study. We're trying to focus on God. Any of those, I'm not trying to um, hone in on one person or one of those things, but what's our understanding of Those things we're seeing Satan entered into Judas. Do I need to be afraid? What security do I have? I don't know. What are your thoughts on those things?
2: Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard that that phrase Satan entered into him is like a hard phrase to to really understand. Is this one of those exceptions cuz sometimes in the Bible you see little exceptions where God did something out of the ordinary or allowed something out of the ordinary. Uh, I think one thing that um even talking about like oh God messed up the DVD player so we couldn't watch the video uh, or not God whoop, Satan messed up the DVD player oops. He got um um <laughs> Like sometimes we like, it's important for us to remember that Satan is a singular creature being. He can't be everywhere messing with everybody's life all at once. You know what I mean? Um, he, he is not God. He is not all powerful. He is not all knowing. He is not everywhere. He is a created being by God. And sometimes we forget that and we almost put him as being equal with God and his abilities. Um, so if god if satan's busy messing up my dvd then he can't be messing up the dvd player of the guy you know in in china right now watching you know trying to watch a a a christian movie you know i mean so so i don't necessarily know about those things Uh, I, i think what's interesting that again which is why i'm not sure if this is like is it talking about possession here or is it talking about satan trying to trying to trying to tempt and sway with with thoughts and you know taking advantage of judas's inner heart issues like because judas was also baptized maybe not baptized was given the holy spirit and sent out with with the others the two by two when he sent them out if you remember that so that kind of brings me into conflict well if he is full of the holy spirit how could at one point how could also be full of the satan so that's why I'm i'm just not sure that reading this as satan entered into him means like possession the way maybe it sounds but that there could be something else going on there that's meant by this um and uh you know another thought is would satan really trust a demon to do his work with jesus trying to take him down so maybe that's why we see clearly here satan mentioned in that work
0: sure that's that's definitely an important distinction that you brought up that, right? Satan is a creature. He's in one place at one time. He's not equal to God. Again, sometimes the way we talk in these Christian circles, we can equate him with God. Or if maybe, um, you're not as familiar with faith or Christianity, that would maybe your default thinking is like, Oh, there's Satan. And then there's God and they're two opposing forces. Um, and what we believe is that's not the case. So that's a really important distinction. But it also seems, Pastor Jamal, you were nodding your head, like definitely agreeing with Pastor Todd about, like, maybe not taking this too far. Like, about is it possession? Is it this? Like, I don't know. You kind of seemed like you were agreeing with that.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sold on the idea of there being a possession of sorts, um, be- because we see language. That makes us kind of give pause and we don't get a lot of clarity on it um, when it comes to even Peter, when uh, Jesus is talking about, hey, the Son of Man uh, has to be crucified. These things have to take place. And Peter approaches uh, Jesus and is like, whoa, like we don't have to do that. We don't, there's no need for you to do that. Jesus and then Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. So like that's another moment where we see scripture, and it's like, whoa, like who's he what is Jesus saying here? Who's he talking to? Is he talking to Peter? Is he talking to Satan? Like, what's going on here? And I think there are some people who would say, you know, um, you know, a bunch of different things, but I think that idea is consistent, in my opinion. With this idea that the enemy may be trying to do something, however, the per we as individuals of free will are subject to decisions. Excuse me, are subject to decisions um, of our own free will. We can be influenced, right? But then we end up making a decision and saying, "Oh, well, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and run along with this." And it could have been an idea birthed uh, from the enemy. Uh, that's my personal opinion about this particular passage. I'm not saying though that possession is not is non-existent because we also see in scripture where that takes place as well i'm saying that this language here seems to be a little consistent with the language used before when jesus is speaking to uh peter and he says get behind me satan and even in that this and let me just kind of i'm gonna put an anchor into what we've started this conversation about and that's the sovereignty of god Even in that moment when Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, he then explains to everyone, listen, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. That sentence immediately, if you're reading, immediately infers to the authority of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. saying that Satan has to ask for permission Mm -hmm. to operate in this way. And then Jesus goes on to say some even more interesting things, and he says uh, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, uh, but after you return, uh, this is what you go. You know, this is how I want you to go about life. And he prays for, prays for them, he prays for Peter as, uh, specifically as well. Um, it is about the sovereignty of God, his authority, what he has set in motion, what he allows. We can even take it back to Job, right? And when the council of the heavenly hosts are gathered together and Satan is throwing all these accusations to God about Job uh, saying, oh, well, listen, he's only faithful to you because of these things. And if he didn't have these things, um, you know, he would he would uh, disown you or disown you and, you know, renounce your name. And scripture even then in Job says that God allowed that God then decided, you know, like for us as believers, and, and, and this is what Jesus, I think, is kind of advocating for and even goes on to say later on in this chapter in John, when he goes, uh, not maybe not in this chapter, but um, uh, starting to go into chapter uh, 14. Uh, but he says, yeah, John chapter 14, verse one, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me, like he's trying to allow for them to understand, listen, don't let your hearts be succumbed to this, whatever may be you know uh, circulating in your heart and soul right now. Believe in God, believe also in me. God is in control, He has never not been in control. He was in control uh, when it came to Job, He's in control right now in this situation and even in the beginning of chapter 13 when he when jesus stands up and he knew he's like the time has come and everything has been given unto me like authority has been given unto me even after all of this when he gives the great commission he says to them he's like all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me therefore go it is a almost in my personal opinion a reiteration over and over and over again god is sovereign God is in control. Let your faith be anchored in him. And he even says, we, you know, throughout scripture, listen, trouble will come. Mm -hmm. Like you will see trouble, but take heart, right? Like, you know, I have overcome the world. Like and this, he's not even been crucified yet, but he's already speaking in terms of the victory is secure. Like, Mm -hmm. and I I don't know, that's just my my perspective when it comes to this.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome for sharing that, and even bringing up yeah, that with that passage, um, yeah, about get behind me, Satan. Like, right. Like, I think that is an interesting the Peter and Judas, even the comparison going on there. You were going to say something else. So.
1: Yeah. Well. So, so this is the thing. I think we can, and the reason why I bring up all that stuff is because I think sometimes what we do in Christianity is we read this passage of scripture and we build a theology off of this mm-hmm. one passage of scripture, and that's dangerous. I'm trying to highlight throughout all of scripture from old Testament to new Testament, what has been consistent about God and what's been consistent about God is that he's always been in control. He is sovereign, right? Like those are the things that are consistent. We can't let an instance that seems out of, you know, you know, not normative, all of a sudden tilt our theology because we see something happen that is different. If I'm, let me put myself in a perspective of, of a devil's advocate. If I'm the adversary and I'm trying to thwart the plans of the enemy, I'm now trying to do different things to try and break up what you know what has seemed to be successful and consistent of my enemy. So of course, I'm going to start to do different things or new things. And you're going to start to see new tactics or whatever. But what we see in God is consistency in who he is, what he promises and the fact that he is sovereign and the fact that he's in control.
3: Yeah. I think that's interesting that you bring up the point about how God, how, how even in like with Job, you know, Satan asked God for permission to do the things he did. Like, and, and I mean, that's pretty consistent. I think throughout is that, um, you know, there's, the devil does not, that's something to to remind ourselves of is that like, because this God is sovereign, because God is all knowing, there's nothing that the enemy does that is outside of God's knowledge or is outside of God's, um, you know, view, um, and, or takes God by surprise. And, you know, a lot of times I think in Christianity, we separate the two um, we separate the two big time. And so like, you know, even, you know, we go in prayer against the enemy, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than going to prayer to build our faith in God, Mm -hmm. you know, in times of crisis, Mm -hmm. in times of tragedy and and, in times of, you know, things where we're like, oh, this is the attack of the enemy. But, but, God uses, God knows all of that and he uses all of that for his purpose and his will. So rather than go to prayer against the enemy, because, you know, God could be using those things. We need to be going to prayer to worship God, to praise God, to, you know, build our faith in God, you know?
1: Yeah. I, sorry. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm done. I feel like sometimes even in situations like right now, right? Like there's an, uh, you know, mm, let me, okay. This is my personal opinion. I'm gonna keep just throwing that out there. so no one, So no one gets, you know, in trouble. So my personal opinion, I think way too many times in Christian circles, hold on, let me, hold on. <laughs> I just want to make sure, <laughs> I think way too many times in Christian circles, we get this idea that we're immune and that is not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we see in Scripture, the people of God go through trials and tribulations. They're not immune to these things. What is, oftentimes, the thing that is thrusted to the forefront is, hey, guys, remain steady in your faith in God. Remain steady, trusting in God. It, that's just what we see that's what we see and even like like even when god sits down with abraham and he promises to make him a nation he unpacks for him and he's like oh they're gonna also be enslaved like it's not even like it's like he lets them know like listen man hey look i'm gonna give you this promise but um yeah they're gonna be enslaved for a little while too so like it's like <laughs> like i we we can't think that because we're christians that we're immune What we need to do is anchor in the fact that God is in control. God is sovereign. And as Romans tells us, he works all things together. And I told the students this in our devotion. I was like, this does not mean that you won't see trouble. What it means is God can redeem anything. That whatever we go through, whatever we encounter, he could take it and redeem it and use it for his kingdom. Because it's all about him. It's about his glory.
0: That's really good. And that's, that's exactly it. It's the picture of God's sovereignty. And I was thinking of that verse, Romans eight twenty eight: work all things to the good of those who are called and uh, according to his purpose. That's awesome. And even what you brought up, Pastor Bonnie, that is like a little bit of a pet peeve of mine in church. Sometimes when, you know, in church world, we can pray against the devil or even talk to the devil, like, hey, devil, you don't have authority here. And, and no, nobody's trying to do anything bad. But I just mean, like, like I don't really need to talk to him. I'll just talk to God. <laughs> like, that's what I think.
3: What does everybody? What does every parent tell their kid how to deal with a bully? Or, you know, the appropriate way, ignore them. Ignore them, ignore them, ignore them. Like, you know, stand, stand your ground, you know, set boundaries, but then ignore them. Just if somebody's making fun of you, ignore it. Walk away. Like,
0: When I think of, or like, go to your teacher, go to the principal, like go to the person who's above them. Go to the authority. You you don't have to engage them. You go to the person, you go to the authority above them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think we just have to be careful that we don't grab our theology about who Satan is from movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes we we see movies or we hear talking culture about how big and powerful Satan is,
0: but that's the world's theology. That's not God's theology. And so maybe that's a, a good way to kind of start to wrap up what we're talking about today. We're talking about, you know, this passage leading to Easter week, we're talking about God's sovereignty. And obviously with the situation going on, we're meeting on zoom right now, you know, the virus and everything, you know, how does this passage and um, the understanding of God's sovereignty, how can that bring us peace right now? Um, and then, you know, even leading it to Easter, what would you guys say about that? God is not caught unaware by what's happening. He
2: is not. Uh, he is not incapable of bringing us through this. And like Pastor Jamal said, we will go through trials. We will go through hard times. But that doesn't mean that God is not in the mix of this. That doesn't mean we can't cry out to Him, call out to Him, trust Him, and uh, whatever happens. God is still in the mix of this, and he is still in the one who is ordering our, uh, what's the verse say? He orders our steps, mm-hmm. you know, even if that's ordering our steps at home <laughs> right now to help us get through this moment.
3: Yeah, th- through the greatest trial in Jesus' life that he was about to enter, you know, this passage outlines the beginning of the end for him and all that he experienced through that and yet in verse 31 you know after judas goes to betray him instead of you know expressing dis- you know feelings of you know being distraught or anything he says he states the purpose of all of it he says the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and god will be glorified because of him that's what it all comes down to the glory of god through everything we go through through everything we face how can god be glorified
0: That's awesome. How can God be glorified? And maybe that's what we can be praying now, you know, as we're entering Easter and as we're dealing with this crisis, even after Easter, that's maybe what we need to be praying. I know different Christians, even what we're talking about with Satan and building a theology and stuff. I've seen um, different Christians, you know, saying, is this the end or, you know, God's really doing something. And I don't want to come against those people if if that's, you know, who knows maybe, but Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We're going to pray. God, will you be glorified? God, will you move? God, will you do something? Cause I believe you are sovereign and that's what we can be focusing on right now. So, well, that's great guys. Thanks. Uh, really enjoyed the discussion on this passage. Yeah, definitely a little tricky. Um, but uh, I, th- I think the discussion was really great. Mm-hmm. So um I guess we could end. You just want to end with a word of prayer. I think it's a good way to end. Um, uh, Pastor Jamal, would you want to pray for us actually?
1: Uh, Based off what we talked about and stuff. Yeah, sure. sure. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just thank you so much uh, for this day, the opportunity to come before you, Lord, and uh, lay our, our, our burdens before you. Um, your word tells us to cast our cares upon you because you care about us. And so, Father, we just cast upon you, God, the cares of our of our church. Uh, the cast uh, we cast upon you the cares of uh, this world. Lord, we're asking that you would uh, help us to navigate this season well, Lord, and help us, Father God, to continue to trust in you, uh, Lord God, and to allow for uh, our theology to be rooted in your character, God, and your consistent character that does not change, God. We, we thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Father, we look forward to uh, just the celebration of, Father God, being together once again as a church body um, and, and just glorifying your name and lifting you up. We ask that, uh, Uh, You would just uh, touch everyone who's listening today, God, and uh, allow for them to, to know without a shadow of a doubt, God, that you remain on the throne uh, and we can put our full hope and trust in that alone. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Hey, with, uh, Two minutes left real quick. Um, We were talking about this in staff earlier this week, but this is gonna air before Easter, so any Easter traditions that you guys are gonna try to continue or keep up with at home or not really able to? I don't know, what do you guys, what do you guys got? Actually, Elizabeth,
2: for the first time in a couple years, wants to do an Easter egg hunt. I think she's so tired of being being stuck or whatever, she's like, can we do an Easter egg hunt? So we're gonna actually revisit an old, uh, an old tradition. There you go,
0: okay.
3: I, I think we're gonna start a new tradition this year that might stick for the next couple of years. We'll see, I don't know, we'll see how it turns out. But you know, at Christmas time we go driving around looking at people's Christmas decorations. So I think we're gonna try to drive around and see what Easter decorations people have put outside of their houses on Saturday. And maybe do that just to kind of get out of the house and you know see the world a little bit from our car <laughs> so nice know. yeah no we'll let good you know the
0: good good reason to get out too for sure all right. all right sounds good well let's get off here before zoom kicks us off actually we we have like 30 <laughs> seconds so we just gotta go so all right everybody it was fun we'll see you next time happy easter yeah. bye-bye